With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Jess McFadden, and this is the Autosport Podcast. So the wait is finally over and no, I'm not talking about Mercedes and Red Bull finally showing up to testing with cars they'll actually be racing this year. I'm talking about the release of Drive to Survive, which hits Netflix accounts across the world on the 11th of March. Now, there's no denying that the series has been a resounding success for F1, helping it to reach enormous new audiences and broaden the spectrum of its fan base from fair-weather followers to the die-hard stands. Season 3 marked a new peak for Drive to Survive, hitting number one worldwide on Netflix and outperforming its first season, which is unheard of in streaming circles. Yet season four is arguably the most important series to date. Not only is the pressure on to build on that success, but being in the spotlight more than ever, it must strike the balance between reality and creative license. 
And not only because for the first time in Drive to Survive's history, there's a proper title battle for Netflix to sink its teeth into. The 2021 fight between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton being a natural focus point throughout the season. And here to give his honest opinion on that creative license and the series standout moments, so yes, this is your spoiler alert, is our F1 reporter, Luke Smith. Luke, first question. This is what everybody wants to know. Does the series for you live up to the hype? That is quite a tricky question without wishing to sit on the fence too much to start off with. But it's, uh, no, I think that Drive to Survive, we've got to remember, it has always been about, as you said in the intro, broadening some new fans and kind of reaching an audience that otherwise wouldn't have watched Formula One. I think we've seen the rapid growth and the impact it's had. And every year we kind of get excited about Drive to Survive coming out and there's always sort of the questions we're going to get onto about how close to reality does it actually meet and everything like that. But for me, I mean, what I would say about this series is it is unmissable. I think that you have to watch it if you're a Formula One fan. I think that however strong or weak your interest is in the sport, Drive to Survive is going to be a port of call that you really have to go to. And I think it is a very, very important part of all of the content that we consume, be it written articles or podcasts such as this one and everything kind of that you, you want to watch or listen to or read about F1. Drive to Survive is absolutely at the top of all of that, I think. So, yeah, I think it, it does live up to the hype in the sense of that it's, uh, yeah, it's essential viewing once again and it is really entertaining. And I think whether, no matter how much you have an interest in F1, you will enjoy the series. But there are some things that I think that the diehard fans may want a little bit more depth in places, may sort of say, well, that wasn't entirely how things happened. And yeah, they will definitely pick up on those. But I think that as long as you go into it without thinking that this is going to be the definitive season review for 2021, then you're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, I think that absolutely hits the nail on the head for me because I think I've watched previous seasons maybe with a little bit of scepticism for the reasons that you've said, Luke. Because I think when, especially when you're as close to the sport, I guess, as, as as we are, or as the diehard fans, many of which will be listening to this podcast are, you do pick up on little bits and bobs that make you go, oh, well, that's that's not right. Or, oh, that's a manufactured bit of commentary. And I think we, as you say, we'll touch on a little bit of those uh, examples a little later on into the, into the chat. But I think you're totally right. I think if you go into it by looking at it, especially if you are a, a, a long-term fan of F1, or, or have that level of knowledge, then there are still narratives and still little segments of brilliance that you will not get anywhere else. You know, not even yourself who were in most, if not all of the paddocks last year, um, get it, you speak to these people on a daily basis. You, we still do not get that level of insight that Drive to Survive is, is is delivering. And I think it's those parts for me that are the most enjoyable moments. Those little nuggets of whether it's vulnerability or the conversations or even the passing comments in the paddock, right? Of people just throwing away comments to each other as they pass each other that really give you such a full picture of, of what it is like in Formula One from a perspective that is, is really hard to match anywhere else. Totally, yeah. And it's about colour and it's about personalities and that for me has always been what has made Drive to Survive such success is it shows you the personalities that you don't see entirely like even in an age of social media where you can sort of follow all of the F1 drivers uh, as much as you want 
there's a lot in Drive to Survive that you don't see anywhere else. So I think Daniel Ricciardo, he's been proof of that over the first three seasons. Gunter Steiner, I mean, he's been such a star in all of the first three seasons and features really well again in season four. And it's that kind of colour that you don't get watching a race weekend normally. Like, obviously, you might see them do interviews and sort of come across in quite an entertaining way or something like that. But it is just the sheer vulnerability and particularly when you take them away from the F1 paddock that you see in Drive to Five that I think is so brilliant. And I think that's where the series has been such a success. I think that's where the high points of season four are as well. I think that we see some really vulnerable moments and it's really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, I think that you'll be guaranteed to have something to learn from it. As you said, like I followed the season very closely last season. It's my job. And I learned things watching Drive to Five season four. So no matter how, again, how much you know or don't know about F1, you'll come away from this series more knowledgeable than how you started. Absolutely. Okay, so let's dive into some of the specific storylines or the things that the listeners can expect um, as and when they get a chance to binge watch it, which I'm sure is how everybody is going to experience Drive to Survive. And not only, I mean, Luke, not only is it coming out on the uh, on the 11th of March, but it's also in the middle of testing and testing this time in Bahrain will be televised. So I feel like people are going to be inundated with <laughs> with yeah, Formula it's One. Like, is too much Formula One a thing? Is that possible? I, probably not. Um, but anyway, we hope we hope you enjoy it either way because it's it's great. Um, but one of the key narratives that ran through all of last season, bar obviously the the title fight, but was a product of the title fight, was the Horner versus Wolf, bad guy, good guy, bad cop, good cop kind of scenario that that followed all the way through the season and. We found ourselves, especially at the end of the season, kind of reviewing on who came out the better of that. That is covered in this series quite extensively. Um, what did you make of it and who do you think maybe comes out on top or who comes off better looking in, um, from the, the point of view of Drive to Survive? Well, I think an important precursor to all of this is the fact that Max Verstappen said that he wouldn't be part of this series. He said last year that some of the rivalries were too fakes for his liking, therefore he didn't want to do any more interviews for it. And because of that, you don't have any of Max to sort of push along the narrative about the title fight. So, so much of that does fall to Christian Horner. And I think we've seen sort of in previous seasons, like some sniping here or there particularly with him and Cyril Abitbal when uh, Rebel was working out the, the Renault engine deal and everything like that like I think that was really interesting but it kind of feels this season like that takes another big step forward and as you mentioned there was a lot of um, toxicity between Wolf and Horner throughout last year in F1 and I think that a lot of the series does focus on that and we do see from the very first episode comments from Horner directed at Mercedes at Wolf at Hamilton and it's it just for me it just does get a bit old quite quickly because it is just these constant jibes of ah oh, shut up like oh you don't know what you're on about or ah oh, they've got everything to lose or whatever and and I get that I get where Horner is coming from I get sort of the the idea that Rebel was the underdog in this title fight and Mercedes had all these streaks and it was up to Rebel and Verstappen to end uh, its run of championships but it just doesn't it, I don't think it particularly puts a brilliant light on Christian Horner and I do wonder how once the series is out and I mean I mean I assume that figures from Red Bull have have seen those episodes already what their reaction is it is to it like whether they think oh that it's been edited in a bit of a a bad way and that it sort of doesn't quite add up to what he was actually saying or something like that because yeah I just think it it just seems strange but again I don't know if 
on the flip side of that, it's a case of no, we want to be sort of, we like having this villain role almost. We like sort of being, yeah, that the bad guy and we're going to take down these guys who've been dominating F1 forever. And I think that the opening episode and the episodes that do cover the Mercedes Red Bull fight, it does focus a lot on the duality of, of Horner and Wolf. They're just such different operators. And we hear Horner saying, oh, Toto inherited his team and he's more of a finance guy. We're proper racers. And Wolf sort of just smiles when he's told that. And yeah, I mean, there, there's one point when, sorry, there's two scenes actually where uh, Wolf is putting in his breakfast order to Mercedes and it's so like military precise. Like I want this kind of bread and I want this egg with this bit of salt and this thing. And, and it's just, I just thought it was really interesting to see the two very different characters coming through but I just do wonder yeah once it's actually out how Red Bull are going to see that and whether they think well well, actually we're not entirely happy with how Christian has been portrayed or whether they're like actually no like we, we want to be we're happy to sort of be in that mantle and take up that role um, but for me it just got a bit it got a bit boring like just having those constant jibes being thrown and it was just like you just wanted a bit more nuance to it you want to sort of the idea of okay well why are they so different what are the underlying things in this political fight as opposed to just um yeah mudslinging which is kind of how it felt at times Mm, i think you're right there were points i noticed where i feel like they've tried to do it you mentioned like the breakfast order from toto and i feel like they tried to mirror their lives a little bit like there was i feel like red bull were one of the 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 big teams to cotton on to drive survive in the in the very beginning and so i think they they have seemingly given a lot of access especially to christian throughout the series um and it feels sometimes it has felt like the christian horner show um rather than having a kind of a balanced a balanced view all the time now i'm not saying that's a good or bad thing i'm just saying it has felt like quite quite heavy um uh you know there's a lot of you can tell he's given them a lot of access he's hanging out with him and jerry horner all, all the time um you know i feel like jerry's appeared in it more than some drivers have appeared yeah, in it yeah, she has yeah and the same with Susie wolf as well and again i think I think their inputs are particularly interesting and I think that it's really it's cool to have that kind of sort of extra way to drive the narrative along and again it is about showing the lives behind behind the racing it is that yeah I mean some of the I think two really lovely scenes and one for each of the each of those um, Horner and Wolf was with, with their families there's a nice scene early on in the season where um, Horner's kids uh, uh, come along and it's like he's really really good with them and then yeah later in the season that um, it's I think breakfast time at the Wolf household and you see Toto and Susie and little Jack Wolf and it's that that's nice that's that's the kind of thing again that Drive to Survive does really well on. But I think you are right in saying that we do actually hear more from Susie and Jerry than we do Sebastian Vettel, Fernando Alonso, Kimi Raikkonen. As the list can go on, quite a few drivers. Now you mentioned earlier on about the omission of Max with such a close title fight as we had last year. I feel like this is going to be a very obvious question, but do we miss Max Verstappen's voice in all of this, or does the series carry it? enough through the moments that they managed to pick up and through Christian Horner's kind of voicings of of, of the way things played out. Because you, one of the things that you mentioned to me, which I want to touch on as well, is the vulnerability of Lewis Hamilton, especially in episode three. Um, there were moments there where you can see parts like um how much Baku played on his mind in the races that followed. Um, you know, he he he's in the back of the garage and he's talking to Toto and he's like, that's that race has really affected me. You know, he's, he, you can see it's playing in his head and Toto's just like, new race, move on, it's over. But you can see like just how 
not just Lewis, but how so many of these drivers have a huge level of vulnerability and the way that the teams have to manage that. But is the massive gaping hole Max Verstappen? Yeah, Max's brand and approach anyway is to not seem vulnerable ever. He's very, very much about that. And he's always said before, well, even if I had vulnerabilities, why would I say so? Because that would be a sign of weakness my rivals can sort of use. And I think that I think, but I do think that it just misses his voice and all of it. And I think particularly around the Silverstone crash, for example, that is obviously made into such a big dramatic moment. And it rightly was. And all of it, though, afterwards, it's Christian Horner's side of the story. And we hear the radio of Max in the cockpit and sort of how, like, how much it hurt, of course. But we didn't hear anything afterwards from Max, which I thought was a bit a bit strange. Like, I, I think last year, for example, obviously very different circumstances, but with um, Roman Grosjean's crash in Bahrain, to hear from Roman afterwards, I mean, in such, I mean, excruciating and heartbreaking detail, everything he went through with that crash... That was, I mean, a real, I mean, that was, a, 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 that was Drive to Survive being at its absolute best, I thought, because it really did show these are human beings. And I think that with Max, we we didn't get any of that. And right the way through the season, it is really just left to Horner. And we have sort of bits from Max in terms of like, if they managed to catch a, a chat between him and Horner, but there's no, there's no vulnerability and there's nothing really sort of lifting the lid on, on, on Max really in in his first title fight which is I think yeah a big miss for the series and that is made only more obvious by as you said the fact that Lewis is so vulnerable and even uh, Silverstone when he's obviously excited to see all the fans back but he's like well, there's a lot of people like how far back are they going to be and oh, so worried about catching COVID and he really opens up about um, the uh, Bahrain race he missed when he got caught COVID and he said it was one of the worst things I've ever been through so I think that the fact that we don't have Max to kind of lend his voice to that and be a balance to Lewis, I think is, yeah, it's a big shame. And I think that really moving forward, I think obviously the big sort of question is, are any other drivers going to do the same thing? We know in season one that missing Mercedes and Ferrari, that was a shame, but we got through it. But the fact is, as as you said in the intro, this was the first season of Drive to Survive that had like a title fight that it could really hype up and, and like handle. And yet we don't hear from one of the championship fighters, which is, yeah, a big shame. Well, and the driver champion. So and that is... And the champion is... himself, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, that's, that's, a, that's more... A more pertinent. But you, you mentioned if other drivers might also follow suit. Uh, one of the criticisms last year was um, how maybe out of proportion certain rivalries were blown um, in previous seasons. And this year, it seems that Netflix have turned their attention back once again on Lando Norris and his teammate. But apart from uh, it not being Carlos Sainz this year, it's Daniel Ricciardo. What is it with Lando? What? What? Why is he becoming... Because I, I guess my fear is, if he sees this again, and actually, I guess, semi-ironically, one of the one of the moments that was called up within Drive to Survive this season was a quote of his getting taken out of uh, of context and and made a big deal out of in terms of him not having sympathy for Daniel maybe not getting up to speed as quickly um but is there a fear that maybe he'll go do you know what guys like enough's enough like why do you keep making a big deal out of this or is it was it is it more of a fair assu- assumption of what happened last season in 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 this series I think there is a bit of it does push it to the limit a little bit in places and I think that the fact is, obviously, Daniel Ricciardo has been such a big part of Netflix right the way from season one. So he was obviously going to be such a big character and a focus point after his move through season four. Uh, but 
that episode, yeah, I mean, I think it's very good in terms of highlighting that look, Lando was the young guy, yeah, he's really excelling. And at the same time, Daniel, who's meant to be world champion material, has had a really bad start. Monica, obviously, being the real Nadir, where um, Lando managed to lap Daniel. But it, I think they can be better in terms of sort of like unpicking all of that like sort of saying Stanley look why where are these struggles coming from I mean what what the challenges you face and I mean I had an interview with him at the end of last year and he was fantastic covering all of that and I think that yeah you mentioned sort of quotes being taken out of context and there's a scene sort of around some quotes that Lando has given and like I, I I was thinking I can't remember us writing a story about that and I can't find the quotes anywhere on Autosport and I did a Google and yeah I just thought it was interesting where that headline came from and I think that again it is a case of that you kind of find things to fit the narrative you want as opposed to saying well what is the actual narrative here and I mean obviously yeah Daniel's struggles were a real real focus point but I think that again similar to Carlos and Lando in the previous season it was kind of made out to be more than it actually was. Um, and I don't think it was like, it, it wasn't like crazy blown out of proportion, but it was just interesting that I, again, they sort of like pushed that a little bit and kind of looked for a bit of drama where there maybe wasn't. And I think that uh, with Valtteri Bottas and George Russell as well, I think that obviously Imola was such a big moment in terms of their narrative and that is handled really well in terms of the crash itself. I think that the the, the footage and the production and the editing is absolutely bang on for that but again you hear all of the the radio traffic and george going over to the car and everything but then it's afterwards that you don't you don't hear sort of okay but george actually a week later was like i've reached out to valtteri to sort of like patch things up because i kind of realized that yeah i I sort of look at it differently you don't get that full story so yeah it's interesting and i think that it is just a question of drivers will be looking at it and go, well, how do I come across in this? And I think that for Lando, I think he comes across quite well through the season. I think that, yeah, it does highlight sort of his real successful points early on in the year very nicely. Russia, disappointingly, isn't given a huge amount of time. But I just think they could have been a bit more nuanced in terms of how they look at Daniel's struggles and how he recovered from that instead of making it be like, oh, Lando's beating Daniel and that's not going to sit well and everything like that. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Because one of my one of my maybe main criticisms of it, and again, as we touched on at the top of the show, it's more about okay, what lens are you watching this through, and can you be forgiving of what it's trying to do and the audience it's trying to, I guess, um, attract? Did it need two episodes on Lando? Lando? Did it need two Lanyol. episodes? Oh. That's their that's their new name. Lando. What they called? Um, like, like Carl Lando. Carl Lando, and now it's. Lanyol. Um Lanyol. did it need two episodes? Do you think? Um on, on I, the McLaren I don't know. boys? I think that I and I think that's perhaps a an issue sort of throughout the series is that there are and even with uh, Williams for example I mean w- Williams great story last year don't get me wrong but it is the fact that it's like a whole episode on basically Williams in Hungary and then there's another episode which is focusing on George and, and Valtteri and George's move to Mercedes and it does just feel at points like there's a lot of focus on on one team and 
both the McLaren episodes, they are shared a little bit with Ferrari, but there's not actually a huge amount of Ferrari. And there's some really cool scenes in there um, with um, Charlotte Clerk and, and Carlos Sainz Jr. together uh, driving around Monaco and things like that. But they're kind of, it's very much sort of the, the, the subplot within that episode whereas the focus is on mclaren and, and particularly daniel ricardo and i think that yeah daniel has obviously been such a huge figure throughout drive to survive but it does feel there was just a lot of focus put on them other episodes as we'll get on to one with yuki sonoda and esteban ocon that's one episode and it's a lot to cram into one place whereas yeah with with the mclaren episodes and particularly the monza one there does just feel like it was a lot of oh this is what happened in the race as opposed to again the deeper stuff and more behind the scenes stuff so i think that yeah it's a good redemption arc don't get me wrong like having the first episode set everything up and our daniel's not doing very well and then come back with the monza win later in the season but it just does feel that it could have been maybe spread out a little bit more now you mentioned yuki sonoda because as we've said in i guess in the first series the surprise breakout star was gunter steiner um and now he's everybody's favorite swearing team principal i don't think i'm ever going to get over the uh scene that we have this season uh please look out for it it's the best scene ever there's an episode where he is climbing a mountain and there is this drone pull out of him on top of the mountain and i just i want to thank whoever set that shot up because i feel like it's going to be made an immortal part of formula one from now on it was absolutely epic um but who was your breakout star from this season who who got you smiling like I guess Gunter has done for the past few seasons it was absolutely Yuki Tsunoda he was on brilliant form and I think that the series did very well to introduce all three rookies Yuki and the half drivers Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin as we'll get on to but Yuki was just on brilliant unfiltered form and we we love Yuki I mean we know his personality he's just such a great character and I think that the episode is very good in terms of going over his struggles that he had when he started in F1 and the crashes he had and everything and then the move to Italy and how that sort of like helped things and everything like that I think it could have maybe been its own episode and maybe stretched a little bit longer uh, because it only goes up to the Hungarian Grand Prix where he had a spin even in that uh, still finished sixth but it was kind of like making that his high point didn't quite seem to really fit entirely but he he's just brilliant like he's just unfiltered he's very honest he's very forthright um there's some wonderful scenes that you get to see where he was living he was living in Milton Keynes with uh, Liam Lawson a Red Bull F2 driver and Yuki's room is just like it just crazy like it's, it's you think and even liam lawson's like how, how do you live like this like you need to like tidy up and, and do things and it was i i just thought it was really funny um it was really interesting and yuki comes out with some brilliant one-liners that i'm not going to spoil but they're going to be made into gifs and memes and i think there's definitely going to be some new sort of yuki quotes that do come out of of this season but i i just thought yeah it was a really interesting episode i i would also give a mention to yos capito as well because he actually comes across really really well um the, the williams team boss and I, again just the the character that he's got i think is fantastic so it was uh yeah really really cool uh, i must say and i think that they've done well to highlight some of the new characters who came into f1 this year but Yuki is absolutely the, the real star of the season, I think. Well done, Yuki. Now, the elephant in the room, we have to address it, is the Haas episode with the Mazapins um, and how maybe they come across in, in the episode. The, the Haas team had a really tough time last year, not only just in performance, but they had driver perception over the Mazapins. 
which obviously has a much different connotation now as we're recording. But I guess if we're going to look at it in isolation for what it was in terms of a, uh, a, a, documentary on what happened last year inside the Haas team how insightful did you find it and what did you take away from from that episode yeah it was fascinating and as I mentioned earlier the idea that you will learn things from Drive to Survive no matter your experience or your knowledge of F1 that Haas episode I thought was very very good at doing that and it did really open up about the tension that was at the team as obviously Nikita Mazepin really struggled in the early part of the season compared to Mick Schumacher and obviously all of the concerns about the car and saying oh it's heavier and there is even a point where Dimitri Mazepin his father says to Gunsteiner like the cars aren't the same and you need to sort this out or I'll write a letter pulling the funding and that's that's a very big threat to make obviously and it's kind of framed as though Haas without the Urukali money would have gone under and wouldn't be racing which now obviously with a long way removed from when that episode was the news that the Urukali contract has been terminated and Haas have made pretty clear financially, obviously it's a hit, but we'll we'll keep racing. Like we'll manage to find a way to, to plug that gap and it's not like we're gonna the team's gonna fall apart because we've lost this funding. So I think that that is again, that is just how they sort of played it out. I think that Haas themselves were quite open the season before in terms of that we do need more funding and, and, and everything. So I, I think it is interesting. And I think it does also just really show just how much Mazepin was struggling, but also how much the team had to say to him, like, look, the way like you're being over the radio and everything, that's not going to help. Like, you need to work with us, not against us. And it is just really, really interesting. And they don't really touch much on the, the tension with Mick that, that was there last season. And I think that as I wrote in my review, that the fact that they frame the sort of redemption race for Nikita at the Russian Grand Prix is home race. And it is, it's not a very good race for him. Like he, he finishes as the last classified car. They say over the radio, Oh, you beat Latifi and Schumacher. Neither of them finished. And it just, it seems a little bit forced in terms of being like, Oh, like Nikita's like made a big improvement and learned. And here we are. Um, yeah. yeah. There's, there's that but whole I, moment where he says that he saw the clouds and he predicted that, it was it was rushing clouds and therefore he knew the rain was coming which you thought I was like I didn't know that or I hadn't noticed that he pitted maybe earlier than the rest of the the grid um but the way that's played out I expect because I'd semi forgotten where he'd finished at Sochi right like I mean I think we all just presumed Huss was at the back right but um I was like crikey did he actually have a good race at Sochi and then when they said that I was like oh yeah no he was the last classified car now I guess all things in relation I mean I don't know maybe I'm giving them too many do's here they had a hard time so just finishing and not falling off the track maybe that was a win for them and and hence because you know that that team radio wasn't made up they did tell him good race and all those kinds of that you know you did finish ahead of Latifi and Schumacher I mean unless that was taken as we found from previous races radio has been taken out of context and placed on top of um other other races but I yeah I was expecting there to be like oh crap yeah he did really well here and he did he did not so yeah, yeah I think again, it's if moments... you're unless you have that wider knowledge and unless you actually go and research it you you won't know that so if you're a fair weather fan who only watches f1 through drive to survive then you'll probably look at that and go okay cool like that's a nice like redemption story basically he had struggles and he had a good race at his home grand prix cool and that and that's fine and honestly like if you're 
if you're a fair weather fan and for the proper target market for for drive to survive it ticks the box just fine but it is just yeah the the, the f1 fans who probably again you already know how the story ends with Mazepin or Okali and Haas you'll go uh hang on a minute so it's it's interesting but I, I thought it was still a very good episode and I think that yeah it did lift a lot on the tension that was at Haas through last season okay so as a whole then Luke how are we positioning this in terms of the previous series of Drive to Survive did you enjoy it more less the same if I could ask you and put you on the spot and give it a rating out of five stars, oh, what would you what would you give it? Because we've got to give the listeners something to either look forward to or look out for. So, how, what would you what would you give it based on what you've seen? Yeah, so we far? Do, we do, and I think that I think it's definitely something to look forward to, and it's definitely something that on Friday eleventh of March when it comes out, watch it, go and watch it definitely. And I think the other thing is that because we've not seen the final two episodes, which is obviously the title decider. And that for me is going to be really make or break for the season in terms of particularly its use of creative license or not. And like how much it shows us about Abu Dhabi that we didn't already know. I think that's going to be really important, but yeah, I think it's, again, it is unmissable and it is something that you really do need to watch. It is very, very enjoyable. It will add to all of your other sort of F1 viewing. I think that as a whole season for me, I didn't think it was quite as, in depth as perhaps season three was which to me is the high point of drive to survive i thought last season was absolutely fantastic for me the most recent one it's very very good i would say maybe a maybe give it four stars for example and i think that it is well worth a watch but there are just points when i was like okay but i just like a little bit more from it but i am coming from the point of view where i'm very much uh i i know a lot about formula one again it's my job and i have so much sort of functioning knowledge and i think that perhaps a lot of people listening to this podcast as well if you're subscribed to autosport again you will probably have that similar level of knowledge you're like you're a diehard fan you want the specialist f1 news and, and content so i think it's just a case of knowing who it is made for and how it will appeal to you um and i think that if you are a fair weather fan, if you literally don't watch any races, but you just watch F1 through Drive to Survive, you'll probably be like, okay, that was a really cool way to know what happened last year and like who, who the big names are and how they got on. So yeah, I would say it is, it's it's a must watch, definitely. I think that it maybe isn't quite as good as season three was. I think it does really miss Max, but it's still something, yeah, you definitely need to watch. Well, there you have it. That's Luke's official review. And if for any reason you would like to go read more about what Luke had to say about Drive to Survive, you can read his full review over on autosport.com. But if you've had enough, but you want to carry on listening, make sure that you subscribe to the Autosport podcast because we'll be bringing you coverage throughout the 2022 F1 season and beyond covering both WEC and all of the highly anticipated racing that we're going to be getting this year so with that said thank you ever so much luke for joining me and we'll see you for another autosport podcast mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.